0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Well, we now have a new president-elect, President Joe Biden. And one of the first issues they're going to be addressing in his administration is the issue of healthcare. And, in fact, the Supreme Court is going to be ruling this year on the constitutionality of obamacare now for conservatives out there listening don't expect the supreme court to make any major changes because the issue is around severability and that means that there's no severability clause which would normally say that if any part of the a bill is unconstitutional or considered to be unlawful then only that section is removed now the individual mandate penalty was removed under the tax law uh, a few years ago. So the question is, is it constitutional, but not because the mandate has been removed. Uh, That's part of the arguments, but the basic issue is around severability. And I believe the courts will normally give deference to what the Congress's intent was and if they would have put severability into that uh, law had they completed the law. Now, remember, many of you, we've talked about this before. The law was passed in a very shady way that they couldn't change any language that normally would have been put in had it got back to a conference. So that didn't happen. And I believe that the court will probably rule in favor of uh, including a severability clause, which means that the tax penalty, uh, which was sort of the core of Obamacare at the beginning, and one of the reasons that it was ruled constitutional, Uh, They're going to rule severability uh, would allow the rest of the the, uh, bill to stand. But that means that health care is going to be a big issue going forward with the Biden administration. And I think they will do everything they can um, legislatively, but more importantly, through the regulatory process of changing things that that the um, uh, Trump administration actually made easier. Things like health reimbursement arrangements and some other changes that were made through the regulatory process. So whoever the Biden administration puts in as head of HHS, I think will have enormous power to do whatever they want to do to reverse what Trump has done to make this much more efficient system, even though it's still Obamacare. It's been run much more efficiently, and the regulations that have changed, especially around areas like health reimbursement arrangements, uh, made a big difference. So let's take this time and go back to when we had a full discussion of Obamacare after the democratic convention and i want you to listen through and understand the changes that we've already discussed but reinforce now that we actually have a democratic president and i'm assuming that we will not have a democratic senate that would completely change the rules on um, getting rid of the filibuster or packing the court or some of the other issues that we will have a balance of power which means none of the extreme issues that have been brought up uh, by some of the left wing on Democratic party that think they can control um, Biden, uh, none of that will actually be allowed to be implemented through law. So let's listen again to the Biden health care plan. So let's talk about the Biden health care plan. And let me start by reading the introduction on the website for the Biden health care plan. So we're all clear about what the direction is. As many of you know, if you've been following health care for a while, or for those of you who may not know, that it was on March 23, 2010, that President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act into law. With Vice President Biden standing by his side, it made history. It was a victory 100 years in the making. It was the conclusion of a tough fight that required taking on Republicans, special interests, and the status quo to do what's right. But the Obama administration got it done. Now, that's the first paragraph of the Biden health care plan. And maybe it's okay from their perspective to say those things, but the history says otherwise. The history is that they passed this thing by the vote of one dead man. They had a filibuster-proof Senate. And after it passed the Senate, went over to the House. But in the meantime, Ted Kennedy died. Scott Brown ran in replacement of Ted Kennedy. And he ran against the Affordable Care Act. He would not have voted for it. So the Democrats did not have in the Senate a filibuster-proof majority any longer. So they had to do political tricks. So it wasn't just a tough fight. It was a coercion fight of giving up to various people, what at the time was called the Louisiana Purchase and all sorts of goodies that were given to politicians to vote for this thing, promises that were made that for one group of House members that it wasn't going to cover abortions. Well, you'll see later on that that could be very much a passing issue right now. Biden doesn't abide by So let's go back to the um, Biden health care plan and what they're saying. Since today the Affordable Care Act is still a big deal. Well, obviously it is, Health care is a big deal. Because Obamacare, over 100 million people no longer have to worry about an insurance company that would deny coverage or charge higher premiums just because they have a preexisting condition, whether cancer, diabetes or heart disease or a mental health challenge. I'm going to stop right there and comment on that. What a lie that is. Over 100 million people no longer have to worry. Large employers which cover 120 million people never had a problem with pre-existing conditions. If you work for a large employer, they're their own group, and they're under a federal law called ERISA. And one of the requirements to have the flexibility of a large self-insured employer covering their employees is that you cannot implement strict pre-existing condition requirements. So the very first paragraph, it's distorting about the law and how it got passed. In the second paragraph, it's a distortion and a lie about them covering pre-existing conditions for people who didn't have it before. He says insurance companies can no longer set annual or lifetime limits on coverage. That is true. And that was probably a good thing. What they did there was, It wasn't available before the federal law passed because insurance companies like Lloyd's of London would not offer up a product to to reinsure lives above five, maybe $10 million before. So one of the good things about the bill is that in fact allowed for unlimited lifetime limits. So it says roughly 20 million additional Americans obtain the peace of mind. that comes with health insurance. Well, They say the uninsured was 47 million and now it's 28 million. But the 47 million dropping down to 28 million is roughly where they get their 20 million number from. But the reality is that the many of those 47 million actually had insurance. They could buy temporary insurance. They could buy coverage uh, from their employer, um, Cobra insurance, which is usually expensive, but it was available. And if between jobs, they got sick and they did not have the Cobra they actually could go back and retroactively sign up for Cobra so you kind of had a nice free pass in the old system but those were counted as uninsured so it was a distortion it was a lie to call that many people uninsured and it's certainly a lie to say that now 20 million people have additional peace of mind that comes with insurance because they don't even those that now have insurance have very high deductibles, very high cost sharing and very high premiums. So I'm not sure if peace of mind goes from just having a insurance card or whether having actual affordable insurance, which the Affordable Care Act did not provide. Going back to the language of the Affordable Care Act or of Biden's website. It says, but every day over the past nine years, the Affordable Care Act has been under relentless attack. Immediately after the passage, congressional Republicans began trying again and again to repeal it, following the lead of President Trump. Well, that's a true statement. It needs to be gotten rid of, and Republicans have railing against it for a long time. So Republicans in Congress have only doubled down on this approach since January 2017. And since repeal through Congress has not been working, President Trump has been unilaterally doing everything he can to sabotage the Affordable Care Act. Well, what he's done is not sabotage, he's gotten rid of some of the very bad parts of the Affordable Care Act, like the individual mandate that charged you a tax for not having coverage. It's the only time in our entire history of this country did he charge somebody when they didn't buy something. So the coercive nature of the Affordable Care Act is what President Trump has been getting rid of. He also got rid of some of the restrictions on how you can do some of the account-based plans, whether it's uh, health reimbursement arrangements or health savings accounts. They've expanded the capability for people to have control over their own lives. That's not sabotaging. That's improving and providing more options, choices, and the ability for people to get the kind of covers that they really want. Now, Let's go back to the language again of the Biden website. So as President Biden will protect the Affordable Care Act from these continued attacks, he opposes every effort to get rid of this historic law, including efforts by Republicans and efforts by Democrats. Instead of starting from scratch and getting rid of private insurance, he has a plan to build on the Affordable Care Act by giving Americans more choice, reduce healthcare costs, and making our health care system less complex to navigate. Well, boy, where have you heard some of that language before? If you want your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. Well, let me tell you something right here and now about what the Democrats do with any kind of legislation, because I've worked with the Democrats on mental health many years ago to ultimately get the 2008 Mental Health Parity Act passed. And I'll tell you the philosophy that I was told by the Democrats in passing legislation. Pass any kind of legislation that moves us in the direction. And if there are flaws, if it doesn't work quite right, we will adjust it down the road. But we have to have something on the books that we can adjust. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. We'll have something we say we're going to fix. And that's exactly what Obama said when he passed the Affordable Care Act. He said... This is a foundation we're going to get to a single payer system, but we have to start someplace. And as you will see, as we go through this hour talking about Biden's plan, it is a continued expansion and growth of government involvement in our healthcare system, providing rules and regulations and requirements all on the American people to get not what the American people want, but what some bureaucrat wants, what some politician wants what some lobbyist has said that the Americans should be allowed to have. That's what's happening in this entire bill by Biden. His entire approach is to give a socialized medicine on a step-by-step basis using the Affordable Care Act as step number one. So let's go back again to the website. It says, for Biden, this is personal. He believes that every American has a right to peace of mind that comes with knowing they have access to affordable quality health care. He knows that no one in this country should have to lay in bed at night, staring at the ceiling and wondering, what will I do if she gets breast cancer or if he gets a heart attack? Will I go bankrupt? He knows that there's no peace of mind if you cannot afford to care for a sick child or a family member because of a preexisting condition. Because you've reached a point where your health insurer says no more or because you have to make a decision between between putting food on the table and going to the doctor or filling a prescription. Talk about exaggeration. Talk about trying to put something out there that doesn't exist. The straw man, if you will. When you have insurance, you have unlimited lifetime limits. It's not the insurance company says no more, that your policy doesn't cover it. If you're covered, you're covered. Your policy is going to pay for those services that are approved. Now, if you don't want a service that's an approved medical procedure, the insurance company might say, no, you can't have that procedure. It's going to be done down in Mexico City. It's not, it's an experimental service. That's not covered. It's not recognized. It's not approved. There are certainly some issues like that, that you could take and point to that justifies the kind of statements they make, but it's a distortion. But nobody will tell you that. Well, let's take a
1: quick break. McAllister's Auto Transport is a privately held company celebrating our 75th anniversary this November, specializing in enclosed-only
0: transportation to the OEM, personal snowbird market, and our favorite market of all is the collector market. Give us a call at 800-748-3160, or you can reach us on the web at McAllister's. And that's M-C-C-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. Large enough to handle all of your transportation needs. Small enough to provide you the old town, old school service that you come to expect when you're moving your baby. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are talking about um, Biden's healthcare plan. At least what he's put on paper and on his website. And we're trying to quote directly from his website, give some additional information about the truth or validity of it, the prospects of where it would go and what it really means. Because sometimes the words aren't exactly uh, what's going to happen. And so we're going to talk about Biden's health care plan but I've already laid out the foundation of what he wants to do which is he wants to build on the Affordable Care Act and offer up a, um, a government option that's Medicare well Biden's own cost estimate, 10 year cost estimate of his health care plan is that he estimates it will cost an additional $750 billion dollars so three quarters of a trillion dollars is what he wants to add. And I can guarantee you if I have worked with politicians in, in Washington with people who estimate costs, especially bias estimates, that you can almost always double that amount. So we're talking about one and a half trillion dollars just for the health care plan. So it doesn't include any of the other proposals on Green New Deal or... Benefits to illegals or anything like that, although I think this does include health care benefits to illegals, I'm presuming, but maybe not. Anyway, Biden's plan would keep all the regulations that have driven Obamacare premiums upward over the last 10 years and make up for them by increasing federal subsidies to Obamacare enrollees. In other words, he's going to increase costs of health care but then try to offset that with providing more and more government subsidies that we'll see in a moment. So let's go through some of the details. The first bullet point off of his own website, and I'm reading directly, says giving Americans a new choice, a public health option like Medicare. So if your insurance company isn't doing right by you, you should have another better choice. Whether you're covered through your employer buying your own insurance, or going without coverage altogether, the Biden plan will give you the choice to purchase public health insurance option like Medicare. And as in Medicare, the Biden public option will reduce the cost for patients by negotiating lower prices from hospitals and other health care providers. It will also better coordinate among all the patients' doctors to improve efficiency and the quality of care and the coverage of primary care without co-payments or any other cost-sharing. Nice words in a lot of ways, but let me see if I can interpret it. What he's saying is for those eligible, even for employer-sponsored coverage, they would have the option for a Medicare, a government-provided Medicare. Well, today under Obamacare, people who qualified for health care from their employers are ineligible for subsidies because the employer is providing a subsidy. So, under Obamacare, um, you're not eligible for government subsidies if the employer uh, is uh, helping to pay for your own coverage. So, Biden proposal eliminates that firewall and allows people to go back and forth between these government exchanges and a Medicare program if they want and employer sponsored coverage. So, it puts the government In competition with employers is basically saying um, that it doesn't really matter it's the same thing if an employer is sponsoring your insurance or the government is sponsoring your insurance well let me tell you why that's different it goes to the first sentence just about in this section that we're looking at he's saying that under the public option the government is going to negotiate lower prices from hospitals and your doctors well Since when does the federal government negotiate what they do is they demand they price fix. And they price fix for example on existing Medicare an amount that is not cost effective for hospitals even provide much of the care. Now it's not as bad as Medicaid which is insurance for the poor but basically the government can set any price they want and They can be much lower than any insurance companies can negotiate. In fact, today insurance companies on average are probably 30% higher than Medicare because hospitals have to make up for the losses of government programs of Medicare and Medicaid by charging the private market more. So this just exacerbates that and is a great backdoor way of killing private insurance. And that's what this is really all about. So this section of saying, well, we're going to negotiate sounds good. But federal government has the ability to demand lower prices and say this is all we're going to pay you. And so you can expect doctors and hospitals to have lower cost reimbursements under these programs and have fewer and fewer hospitals and certainly fewer and fewer doctors because they'll be getting less and less money uh, for the services that they provide. Now let's talk about another section. ...of the Obamacare as we get into these details. I'm going to read directly and I'm going to comment on it. The direct comment, quote, from their website... ...is increasing the value of tax credits to lower premiums... ...and extend coverage to more working Americans. Quote, today, families that make between 100 and 400% of the federal poverty level... ...may receive a tax credit to reduce how much they have to pay for health insurance on the individual marketplace. So if you want to buy an individual policy, you can get subsidies. Now they use 100 and 400% of the federal poverty level because almost nobody really knows what the federal poverty level is. Well, let me tell you, for a family of four, the federal poverty level is almost $105,000 in 2020. And it goes up each year. So you're going to provide subsidies for people who make over $100,000, but it's even worse than that. That's the current law, as bad as it is. And what Biden wants to do is eliminate the 400% of the federal poverty level and make these tax subsidies, these tax credits available to everyone, everyone. And I'll tell you, the only limiting factor on that, and it's another game that they play. So today, in order to be eligible for subsidies to defray the cost of Obamacare-sponsored insurance, your income needs to be below that 400%, and that's where Biden wants to eliminate that. It's actually $104,800 in 2020 for a family of four. So Biden's plan would eliminate that eligibility cap, enabling families with six-figure incomes to avail themselves of Obamacare subsidies. This policy would have A small effect on coverage because most people making six-figure incomes get their health insurance through employers but as we just saw you put the federal government in competition with the private market from the earlier segment we just talked about where there would be a single payer or a a Medicare option even if you're working for somebody you could go and get that Medicare option a government program so now you're going to drive up the premiums more on the employer side so maybe more people will need subsidies even if they're making six figure because their private insurance premiums are going to go way up so it's all kind of a ruse to eliminate the private marketplace whether they want to say that directly or not that is the whole intent again it's let's build this thing out ultimately making changes and adjustments that ultimately destroy the private market health insurance and everybody has to come under uh, government insurance so eliminating the, the the level on the tax credits of 400% of the poverty opens it up to everybody and guess what that does that opens up the whole marketplace so that the government can take over and in addition it sets up a structure that says vote for me and I'll give you even more subsidies so it's a way of locking in votes now and in the future Because the people that will vote you in just want more and more subsidies. So you become more and more like a herd of sheep that just follows the trail of some smell of additional free money, supposedly. But somebody's paying for that. So that's what this is all about. It's about control. It's about power. It's about eliminating the private free market at the end of the day. So there's one more catch, or at least two more catches that build on this same idea of making you dependent on the government. So let me go back and read the next section. So we're reading word for word what's on their website. It says the dollar amount of the financial assistance is calculated to ensure each family does not have to pay more than a certain percentage of their income on what's called a silver plan. Under Obamacare, you got different types of plans. as a a silver and is a gold, for example. The silver is not as generous, it covers roughly 70% of expected claims that you might have. And a gold covers about 80% of the claims that you might have. And so, based upon your income, you're given a subsidy to be able to buy one of these silver plans. Uh, but these shares of income are too high, and the silver plans deductibles are too high. So the final thing that uh, that Biden wants to do, besides eliminating that 400% income cap on getting a tax credit, he wants to change the maximum cost relative to your income from a maximum of 4.86% to 8.5%. So you're going to have more and more people eligible for subsidies. Now, that sounds like you'd be spending an awful lot of your money on health care, even at 8.5%. But the reality is... That's of some income level that people can manipulate, and people do. I know that they do. I've seen it. So what means is that more and more people will be able to be covered with more and more subsidies if you lower it to uh, 8.5% of their income. But keep in mind that second part, they're going to move from subsidies for a silver plan to subsidies for a gold plan, which is about 10% higher in cost, so now you're going to get more people getting more subsidies against a richer plan, which, again, locks them into this whole idea, ultimately, of government-controlled health insurance. So the Biden cap also eliminates enrollees' exposure to rising costs, so they're they're not going to be hit by as much, so you don't have as much personal responsibility. So by initiating subsidies after individuals spend 8.5% of their income on premiums, the combined effect of this idea is, is one above would be eliminate any incentive for insurers to keep costs in check because the government's paying the bill. So why would insurers worry about it? Because they could simply pass off to taxpayers in the form of higher federal spending. So you can see how anytime the government get involved, they, they're going to have more of an impact on the marketplace and distort pricing, which is what, The whole idea is of the Biden plan. Now, the critique of it is that that's going to happen. But the underlying belief of Biden and the Democratic Party, I believe, is is to actually do that, to destroy the private marketplace. Well, let's take another break and we'll come back and delve a little deeper into this whole idea and the problems and issues of Biden's health care plan.
1: Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor Show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor Show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor Show, only right here on America's Web Radio.
0: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. We're talking about the Biden-Democrat health plan. We talked about already in the first two segments of this hour this week, we talked about how the basic principles that they set up are based on a number of rather dubious statements, questionable premises around how Obamacare was originally set up, what its intent was, how it was structured, Because that's what Biden wants to do. He wants to expand on the Affordable Care Act. So recognizing the flaws and the problems is not something they want to do. They just want to expand on it, expand government control. We also talked about some of the core issues about how they're talking about expanding control over health care, eliminating the 400% of the poverty level in order to qualify for a government subsidy. They want everybody to qualify for some level of subsidy. They want to increase the plan that's being offered up with subsidies from the silver to the gold plan. The gold plan is 10 to 15% higher than the silver plan. So increasing to that is more subsidies. And then on top of that, they want to increase the subsidies that are available so that you're getting subsidies if you're above if you're below 8.5% of your income instead of 9.68% of your income. So more subsidies to more people. Expand the coverage. Get the government more involved in each individual's uh, health care initiatives. Now, we talked about already how the government is going to be involved more and more in the employer market as a competitor to the employer marketplace. So we can eliminate private market, if we get the government and they get to set the prices for what they're going to pay for services, they're going to be the dominant player. They already are in many ways paying 50 cents out of every dollar that's spent on health care through existing Medicare, Medicaid, uh, the SHIP program for the children, TRICARE, the VA system. So now they want to take over the other 50% by eliminating private market competition. But let's see how they want to continue to expand that control over the marketplace by making it sound even better to low income Americans. So another bullet point on their website talks about expanding coverage to low income Americans. And here's what it says. Access to affordable health insurance shouldn't depend upon your state's politics. But today state politics is getting in the way of coverage for millions of low income Americans Governors and state legislatures in 14 states have refused to take up the Affordable Care Act's expansion of Medicaid eligibility, denying access to Medicaid for an estimated 4.9 million adults. Biden's plan will ensure these individuals get covered by offering premium free access. Premium free access to the public option for those 4.9 million individuals who would be eligible for Medicaid, but for the states inaction, and making sure that public option coverages the full scope of Medicaid benefits. Well, let's see if we can unpack that a little bit. First of all, you got to remember that the federal government under the Affordable Care Act tried to coerce states into covering expanded Medicaid. But Supreme Court ruled against them on that and had to be eligible. And the reason the states didn't want to do it, why 14 states still don't want to do it, is that the states have to pick up a substantial portion of the Medicaid bill. And even though Obamacare said, well, originally for the first few years, we're going to pay 80 or 90 percent of the bill, who can trust the federal government to continue to do that when you're trying to run a state budget and you're looking into the future after two, three, four years and you don't know what the federal government is going to do? And then you won't have money for roads. You won't have money for schools. You won't have money for anything else in your state budget because Medicaid has been eating up a bigger and bigger portion of it for many years, and this would just expand that drain on state budgets. Now, also keep in mind that he's saying for an estimated 4.9 million adults. Now, when Medicaid gets coverage for the adult, there's usually children involved as well. So... What about the illegals? Biden wants to cover all illegals. So there we've got somewhere between 10 and 20 million illegals in this country. So if the cost of all this that Biden has estimated at $750 billion, even if we take him at his word there, we know that that's dramatically understated for political purposes, that if you double, quadruple Four or five times the number of people we're talking about expanding coverage to with premium free coverage that we're talking about several trillion dollars as a real expense. So expanding Medicaid makes very little sense other than to the politicians because expanding Medicaid gives people a card that says they've got some kind of insurance coverage from the government, Medicaid. But Medicaid is so poorly reimbursed, the providers don't want to cover more Medicaid patients. About 30% of providers out there, that's doctors, your family practitioners, your general practitioners, they don't want Medicaid patients because Medicaid reimburses them at such a low rate. And in fact, Medicaid reimburses hospitals at such a low rate The hospitals have to charge the private market about 30% above Medicare rates in order to survive and offset the cost losses from Medicaid and some of the losses from Medicare itself. So there's a cost shifting that's going on. The government doesn't negotiate with anybody. The government says, here's what I'm going to pay you. Take it or leave it. You don't have any choice. And so as a result, they pay them much less because they can. So they, the hospitals to survive, the doctors to survive have to charge somebody else more in order to have a portfolio of clients that actually can allow them to stay in business. That's why many doctors are getting out of the business, retiring. They used to always have their children come into the business and follow up as being doctors, and that's not the case anymore. They'd rather have their children go and be stockbrokers or computer programmers and make more money than they could Uh, as physicians so this national expansion of Medicaid would effectively replace Obamacare's Medicaid expansion that was optional and this replacement of Biden's would be a premium free access so states that have already expanded Medicaid could keep their expansions, expansions or they can switch over to this new public option based approach which would be premium free so now, even people who were covered before are now going to be covered. It's not going to be any premium whatsoever. Where some states do have some cost sharing uh, involved, but under Obama's care, it's it's all going to be free. So, how do you get more and more people? Because people have been eligible for Medicaid for a long time, I and mean, it wasn't until Obamacare paid people to go out and recruit and hunt down people and get them covered for Medicaid. Um, what's What's Biden going to do to expand on that? That was pretty effective. About 6 million people signed up who previously said they didn't want to sign up, didn't know how to sign up. And that was not necessarily, in my opinion, a bad thing to get people signed up who were eligible. But Biden's going to go beyond that. He's going to do it by automatically enrolling these people when they interact with any kind of um, low-income population welfare program. So as soon as you sign up for anything like the, um, the food stamp program, Uh, Any kind of um, uh, school subsidies, housing subsidy, you're going to automatically be enrolled in Medicaid. What does that do? It does give them a card, which is going to make it still hard to find a physician that provides them the services. But it locks them in because if they ever actually get a job and start to make more money in advance and try to realize the American dream of upward mobility, they lose all of that. I mean, I know people who are covered under Medicaid and get all those government benefits. Um, they don't even want to get married to the father of the children, for example, because they would lose their benefit government benefits. They make more money by being on the government dole than they can make if they go out. Yes, their topside might be better when they go out, but as soon as they go out and try to make some money, they lose the government benefits. So it's a cliff. Benefit. You start to make something, you lose everything, and it keeps people locked in the poverty, which has been the Democratic game plan for a long time. Keep them on the plantation. So this auto enrollment that Biden is proposing—the auto enrollment will automatically enroll individuals in the Obamacare-sponsored coverage if their incomes are below 138 percent of the federal poverty level. Well, guess what's going to be the next step? Again, you can see the growing expansion taking all the numbers and making them a little bit bigger and involving more money, more federal spending, more ways to sort of weave this web of deceit among the population to capture them in federal programs that they would have a hard time getting out of and able to enjoy sort of an upward mobility. It's a way of keeping people down. So what will happen to the 138%? Look for that at the next level to go to 150 percent, 175 percent, 200 percent of the federal poverty level to get more and more people into a premium free option under Medicaid. So that's what's going on to a large degree. Now, let me make a few more comments about these vague proposals that he's made. So it's bad enough that healthcare lobbyists have so much power in Congress, but Biden compounds the problem by being deliberately vague about how his public option would work. A public option that would actually pay Medicare rates to hospitals and doctors would in fact offer a competitive, low-cost option to consumers. But Biden steers clear of such controversial language, promising instead to negotiate prices with providers in a manner that is like Medicare. You get that? The only places in which Medicare negotiates provider rates or sometimes especially physicians who effectively get to determine what Medicare pays them anyway so the federal government doesn't negotiate with anybody they demand here's what I'm gonna pay you take it or leave it uh, go into another business if you don't like it and I don't care if I'm putting you out of business I'm putting in financial stress there's no market competition just you take it or leave it and I'm gonna keep cutting these rates but if I can't cut the rates any further than that I'll just increase the taxes to everybody else so the other area that he's getting into in his proposal is into the real boogeyman of healthcare, and that's the pharmaceutical industry. And what he wants to do there is to reduce some of the pricing for branded products. He also wants to reduce the advertising cost by by – he'd actually increase the advertising cost by saying you can't take that as, a, as an expense in your business, all the advertising. So that would keep consumers um, – ignorant about some of the drugs that might be out there that might be useful they wouldn't know what to do and ask their doctor or physician uh, about a certain drug or condition they think they might have so it kind of um, is the opposite of transparency uh, in that aspect of what he's trying to do but the other thing he's trying to do is control the prices he wants to set up a whole bureaucracy to take a look at what a reasonable price is well it's hard to knock a lot of that because the industry is so corrupt in and of itself pharmaceutical industry has taken advantage of uh, a monopoly that they really have as an industry for a long time. So president Trump has actually proposed a more incremental version of this policy that Biden's talking about. He's instituting an international price index for drug payments in the Medicare part B program. So we're already already getting some movement there. And I think that's um, uh, been needed for a long time. Let's take a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes With another session of Healthcare Insight. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear The Doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Let's finish up this hour continuing to talk about the Biden health care plan. It'll be the Democratic platform health care plan. And the belief of this person... And many out there in the is that health care is going to be the number one issue because Democrats can make it. Medicare for all or a government option sound very reasonable. It's not. and we're talking about the issues as to why it's not. But let's go forward with this last segment. And let's talk about some of the more controversial parts. We've already talked about how these proposals are going to eat away at the private market, will not lower the health care costs, will get government more involved, which will increase spending because the insurance companies will have no reason to have lower premiums. The providers, they have no reason to have lower costs except the uh, course of government policies. And then we'll start leaving now uh, the profession and we'll wind up with uh, the cost being wait times and deaths because we can't get people serviced in the healthcare care area. So, you can't create a private market, a competitive market in health or health care with the kind of mishmash government uh, involvement that we've been talking about. So what's one of the most controversial parts of the Biden program? Well, it's repealing something called the Hyde Amendment. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar, there was a Representative Hyde who years ago passed something that continues to be referred to as the Hyde Amendment. What the Hyde Amendment is, it's a longstanding policy now of uh, Congress not to pass any legislation that includes government funding of abortions. Now, half or more of the country doesn't believe in abortions. Obviously, there's a very strong voice in the Democratic Party for the right to choose. Well, what's the right to choose abortion? Well, that means somebody else's life. That that unborn baby is in there, and there's no rights for that because they call it a fetus. They don't want to call it a baby. So, what part of what Biden wants to do in his healthcare proposal is to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which be the first time in decades, decades that's considered has been very controversial. And there's been no real government support for it. But in this movement towards the left-wing politics, it seems to be uh, up for change and would be part of uh, uh, the Biden health care reform. So the public option would cover contraception and a woman's constitutional right to choose is the way he puts it. But it means that the unborn child has no rights. In addition, what he's talking about is codifying Roe v. Wade. Well, Roe v. Wade is based on the science, when the fetus becomes viable, and originally it was the first trimester and you couldn't have abortions in the third trimester. Well, we're seeing scientific recoveries now of early births that never could have happened before. We're finding that life begins when the heart beats at six weeks, for example. So. The whole idea of codifying in the legislation something that science and technology and our growth of understanding would dispute um, doesn't make a lot of sense except for those who just want uh, abortion to be free and available instead of having personal responsibility or adoption or other solutions. The other controversial thing about um, Biden's plan is he wants to restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood again. A nod to the people who are in favor of abortions, who want more abortions, and Planned Parenthood has been notorious, uh, has been exposed for many of the problems um, with the abortion that they provide, the services they provide, so it's not just counseling. But the Obama-Biden administration, what they did um, was they rescinded something called the Mexico City policy, which has to do with international support. Uh, for federal governments and programs that support abortion services. Um, that was done away with by Trump, and Obama. A Biden policy would go back in under a Biden presidency. So we're seeing sort of this flip flop on uh, international policy uh, that would occur. So again, more money for worldwide abortions. Now, the other thing that they mentioned in the Biden proposal is talking about the unacceptable high. Um, mortality rate uh, especially um, for people of color it says the U.S. has the highest rate of deaths related to pregnancy and childbirth and we're the only country experiencing an increase in this death rate it makes it sound like that's a terrible thing and it sounds terrible the way they phrase it in here that is not telling us the facts the real facts behind all of this is that the technology for childbirth in the United States is saving lives At much earlier stages of pregnancy. Where other countries would consider a miscarriage as being considered a live birth and then trying to maintain that child's life um, is difficult and many of them die so it's a birth and a death in the United States where it never would have been considered a birth let alone a death it would just be a miscarriage and not even considered in the statistics in most other countries. So the fact that we have such highly developed Technology, medical capability is a good thing not a bad thing it drives up numbers that can be distorted you know they always say that um, numbers can figure you can figure with numbers but liars also figure so liars can use numbers to figure what they want when I used to be in Washington doing studies I can't tell you how many times people would come up outside interest and say we can do a study for you for X dollars what do you want the results to be we can make a result happen from whatever study you want so that then you can point to this study it's such a game in Washington it's such a game that you can't believe studies that are up there let alone polling or any of that other stuff that they present as facts now the other thing I want to talk about that's in the proposal is around, in his words here, achieving mental health parity and expanding access to mental health care. Well, this is up my alley because I worked on this for 18 years. In 2008, we got mental health parity passed so that you have to treat mental health claims the same as physical health. This is something I'm very Excited about I'm very in tune with I've developed legislation around it and for him to try to say now he's going to champion it he wasn't there championing it the whole time I was working on it at the state level and at the federal level Biden was not a champion uh, for health care uh, reform in terms of mental health parity um, we had people like Ted Kennedy Patrick Kennedy Paul Wellstone even Newt Gingrich but Biden was nowhere to be be found on this. So as he's saying as president, he'll redouble these efforts to ensure enforcement of mental health parity laws and expand funding of mental health services. Well, again, that's sort of a bone thrown to the liberal side because many of the mental health providers are liberal. The American Association uh, uh, of American uh, Psychological Association, American uh, Psychiatric Association, many of those are very liberal, and so throwing this in just sort of as a, a piece of meat to those folks to say, okay, he's gonna look after them, but it's already taken care of. Yes, there should be less stigma when people come out and say they've been treated. Um, I don't think that uh, depression, anxiety, some of those issues have the stigma they, they had back in the 1990s before we actually passed that legislation. Not only did we do it on the commercial side, but I helped to do the actuarial work to get mental health parity passed for Medicare. So I have no problems with the intent, but the reason behind it is pretty suspicious and there's not a whole lot more to be done there uh, except to emphasize. There's no way challenging it to take you away. People know at this point you can't have real health care without mental health, so that's all being done. Now let's take the last step here in the last few minutes. Let's talk about what he has in his, um, his health care bill because he goes beyond health care. He says he's going to be supporting health and not rewarding wealth. So he believes in rewarding work, not just wealth, and investing in hardworking Americans' health, not protecting the most privileged Americans' wealth. Well, that's you know political mumbo-jumbo. Um, what he really wants to do is eliminate the capital gains tax by moving it up, not eliminate it, but increase it so that you're paying personal uh uh, taxes on it. So you move from 20% for long-term gains to 39 and percent is the current top rate that he wants to move everybody to basically. Now, why does that not make any sense? Well, first of all, when you're investing in a capitalist society as we are, you want capital to be able to move around. So short-term capital is taxed at normal income. So that's more speculation. But on long-term, you want people to be able long-term, and as those capital gains occur, the businesses expand and grow. You want to be able to move that capital from developed companies into lesser developing companies. And so you want to be able to move that capital out. In addition, if you have a capital loss, you don't get to write off much of that capital loss. It's like a $3,000 limit. So how in the world do you invest tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and You're going to be taxed more on the upside, but you don't get it on the downside. There ought to be a risk and reward going back and forth each. Let's take it one step further is what he wants to do with taxes. He says he wants to close the tax loopholes for the super wealthy. Well, okay, since most people aren't super wealthy, the majority can override and tax people with more than a million dollars of income. Since you and I don't make a million dollars of income, we say, fine, let's tax those people. But is that really fair? Can you always have majority take away the earned assets property of somebody else now notice the language that he used. according to the Joint Committee on Taxation the capital gains and dividends exclusion is the second largest tax expenditure in the entire tax code It's worth 127 billion a year in 2019 alone notice the language this is democratic socialist language the second largest tax expenditure So what they're assuming is that all that money that you and I make, that anybody makes in the stock market, any capital gains that we have, any income that we have, when they give us a tax break, if you will, the language they like to use as well, by letting us keep our own money, they consider a tax expenditure on their half. See, the underlying assumption is that whatever we make belongs to the federal government, and then they let us take back something so when they let us take back something they consider that a, a tax expenditure so as you can see this whole thing gets so distorted anybody who really understands the Biden health care plan would never want it if you are on the poor side I can see and that's what he's pandering to but he's pandering to the envy of people somebody else who in a capitalist society is making capital gains is doing investments And the money that's put in that creates capital gains is usually money that is left over after paying taxes as income. So now you want to tax it again. I hope some of this resonates with people out there and they can listen and understand the reality of what's going on with the Biden health care plan. Well, there you have it. An inside view of the details of the new Biden administration's health care plan, the outline that they have already stated what they want and what they're going to do, most of which what they're going to be able to do is through regulations, unless they win control of the Senate with the next month's runoff votes in Georgia, which could give them control of the Senate, which means they'd have unlimited control to do whatever they want to do. So I only hope and pray as Republicans can hold on to control the Senate. There's already been at least one senator on the Democratic side that said he would no, not vote for those extreme measures of doing away with the filibuster or packing the Supreme Court. But we'll see what happens when it gets down to the actual votes, because leadership can deny chairmanships, can deny funds going to those districts or those states. So hold on to your hat, hold on to your wallet, and let's see what happens over the next couple of years. Of course, I'm assuming that the Trump administration's legal challenges do not change the outcome of the election. Join us next week, and we'll talk about more healthcare insight.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio
0: on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.